Hi there, my name is Sandy Veenstra. Welcome to Warmland and Grade 6 at Duncan Christian School in Duncan, Couchin Valley, British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is the Every Square Centimeter Podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada. And we are a tingle to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada, we spent time at King's Christian Collegiate in Oakville, Ontario, with Perpetual Boafo as we learned that Justin's name and my name are much more spiritual than Darren's. No? Yeah? Darren's not so sure. That even grade eights can start a day off sharing their gratitude. That Oakville is as pleasant as its name sounds right down to it having Canada's best weather. We learned that King's Christian Collegiate's community is as wonderful as Oakville is pleasant. That a supply or sub-teacher can have a lasting impact on their students. We learned that diversity and inclusion equals belonging. And we are challenged that Christian schools need to be leading the diversity conversation in a peculiar way. It was our pleasure visiting Perpetual Boafo. So go listen. Tell others about this. Tell other educators to listen. It's a great conversation. But today, today we are a group called a gang in Duncan. Okay, so I'm going to guess a, a Dunconian gang. Sandy, a Dunconian? Mm, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, any suggestion for me? Dunkvillian? No, Duncanites. Duncanites. I like that. A Duncanite gang. And to get to know our gang, we're going to start our podcast with the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Centre for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Oak Tree himself, Darren Speaksma. Hey, gang. Hey, Darren. Darren, tell us a story from your elementary school days. So we had a pretty amazing playground that we never used because there was five boys that every day at every break, we raced to the backstop and the last person to touch the backstop was it. And we played ball tag with a tennis ball around the backstop. And it was all about inflicting (laughs) the biggest welts on each other (laughs) with the tennis ball. But the harder you threw it, the less accurate you were. So it was also about dodging out of the way and then mocking the person that missed from point blank range. So that would be how I spent most of my my breaks uh, in elementary school. Darren, which, which city would this be in? Uh, this would be in Duncan. So, so no snow. We're not talking ice tennis balls then. We are not talking ice tennis balls. Oh, that's a whole nother level. We're talking wet, soggy, <laughs> nasty tennis balls. <laughs> From advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy whose name means fair or righteous. Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, oh Canada. Canada. Uh, Justin, that's a lot to live up to. Righteous. How do you feel about that? 
Trying every day, Jerry. <laughs> Trying every day. <laughs> Justin, can you tell us a story from your elementary school days? Well, I think this one's pretty relevant to the podcast here, Every Square Centimeter in Canada. I, I'm going to tell you briefly two things about my actual immigration to Canada as an American in grade four. So I came, uh, my dad was teaching at Dort College, and I came to Hamilton, Ontario from there with my family in grade four. And Mrs. Cutress was my teacher, and she was awesome. One of the reasons she was awesome was because on day one, I came to her and said, I'm new here, very scared, very nervous. And she gave me a friend. She said, this is Brian. He's going to be your friend. Mm. And that stayed true until Brian um, went off to university after grade 12. He was one of my closest friends. And Mrs. Cutress gave him to me. And that was a huge gift. That is awesome. Uh, The second thing she did, though, was a little less awesome. Uh, Very early in my time, one of my, I think it feels to me like it was week one. Maybe it wasn't, but she said, well, Justin's American. We should, we should get him to see, he's a singer. We should get him to sing the national anthem. So I'm like, she is not asking me to sing this (laughs) anthem in front of my new class. Like that is not happening. But yes, that's exactly what she was asking. (laughs) And, you know, I was kind of nervous, so I started kind of high. And then it's like, and the rockets red glare, <laughs> the bombs burst. And I think I just petered out at that point and gave up. Um, and then basically had to try and figure out how to rebuild my social architecture after that. Did, what was your friend's name again? Brian. Stayed with you through that, hey? So, Brian, this is another memory I have. Uh, Brian, there was a female, her name was Jennifer. She's like, you know, Brian came over. We said, Hey, Jennifer, can we play on the tires with you? And, and she said, well, you can, but he can't. And then I was like, okay, that's the end of the friendship right there. It lasted to like first recess, (laughs) but no, Brian walked away. And I was like, he's sticking with me. He's with me. He chose me over Jennifer. (laughs) I was so amazed in that moment. And that's where I was like, I will stay connected to this guy for life. That is awesome. We need Brian. We need to, we need to meet Brian at some yes, point. You, so, yeah. Yes, you do. Uh, as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Duncan Christian School by Sandy Feenstra. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Sandy. Tell us a story from your elementary school days. Yeah, that's a long time ago, but I grew up in Port Alberni. There was no Christian school. So when I went to school, we started in grade one. There was no kindergarten. And I didn't even know that my real name was Sandra. Mm. And I got to the classroom and tried to find my desk with a name tag on it, which I kind of recognized the first three or four letters. And that was fine. I kind of shook my head. The teacher said, yep, that's your name. That's it, Sandra. And I was like, all right, I guess. (laughs) And my friend, who was also of Dutch descent, her name, her actual name was Hendrika, but we always called her Riki. So she spent, spelled her name R-I-K-K-I. And um, she got to her desk and the teacher directed her to the name tag and it said Henrietta. Well, both of us, I stood there and she stood there and I clearly remember both of us shaking our heads and going, there is something wrong with this teacher. <laughs> really, very wrong. So that was my introduction to school and I didn't have a lot of respect for that grade one teacher. and. Yeah, so it goes, but I became one anyway. <laughs> You're redeeming the grade one teacher. Uh, Sandy, there's a rumor that you were Darren's elementary teacher. Uh, do you have any Darren stories? 
Yeah, Darren was um, really a very good boy. <laughs> he came to school, had big glasses, and his mom was the principal. So Darren had oh, some boy. clout. Yeah, Darren had clout. <laughs> I did and, not. And burden, though. And burden. Oh, burden. That's for sure. And, you know, we were all um, beholden to take care of Darren really well, of course. <laughs> However, it wasn't that hard. The one thing I remember about Darren is that he didn't dot his eyes. This was in grade three. By then, he should have known how to dot eyes. And maybe he didn't cross T's either. Let I didn't me tell you. I think he might be better at that now. I don't know. But I remember <sighs> he was sick and we made him a card in the class. And so for every I, I put a little sticker. So that would stand out <laughs> the dotted eyes. Darren, you still have that card. I, yes, I still oh. have that card. Thanks to my parents, most of all, I got a big bin when we moved to Nanaimo from Terrace, and that card is still in that in there. It's all faded now. Sure, um, but the stickers but remain. The stickers, yes. It is. Uh, I as soon as you started telling that story, I was right back there. Awesome, and you know that is why Darren is so smart today because I taught him in grade three. <laughs> This is going to be an awesome episode. Yeah. <laughs> D- Darren, do you do you dot your eyes and cross your T's? Uh, is that well? A habit? The computer does that for me, yeah, um, so that's nice. Um, but I would say I do when I the odd time I'm printing, I I dot my eyes and cross my T's. Yes, As and it's should. all due, um, Sandy. To Sandy, yes. basically, yes. Mm. I love it, Sandy. Thank you. Um, you know, it's fascinating to me when I when I came came across this prompt and I was thinking, you know, what comes to mind and even listening to you guys, like what stories just pop into your mind. And and I have no idea why my story popped in my mind, but I remember in about grade three, um, I was talking with, I I was in a class from kindergarten to grade 12 with mostly the same people, small school, Northern BC and Carolyn Van Zwall, who is a principal at Laurentian Hills Christian was in my class. And she in grade three had glasses and I remember going to her and saying, tell me about like your sight, like how, like, why do you need glasses? In my head, I thought that you just could see a certain distance. And then after that was black, like it it just, it was just this limiting piece. And so she explained it to me. But a week later I found out I needed glasses, like really, I really need like thick, thick glasses. And my sister decided to tell some people before I got my glasses. And I remember being quite upset about that hearing that some of my classmates had learned about this. I ran to the bathroom, uh, upset, crying that people had heard that I was going to get these big glasses. Um, glasses back then were, it was like a, a sentence, you know, like, a, you know, it wasn't really a, a fashion statement. So um, I remember my teacher and I, I came in, came into the bathroom. A lady teacher came into the boys' washroom to tell me, hey, it's going to be okay. At some point, everyone's going to find out anyway. This, it, it's going to happen. And I had great elementary school teachers. So I can't even remember which one it was, but it was either Miss Bowling, Mrs. Vanderweck, and one of those. Um, and so there, Carolyn and I both had these wonderfully thick glasses, uh, glasses, uh, uh, buddies, glasses gang, I guess, maybe uh, going through mm-hmm. school. So, Darren, were you in a glasses gang? I was not in a glasses gang, but I did definitely feel the sentence that mm. was getting glasses. Mm. I was in the broken glasses. Game. Yeah. Every mm. picture I had, I had tape on my glasses uh, from a ball in the face. Uh, yeah. Darren, did you have uh, glasses that were shaded? 
I did not. My yeah, brother that, did. Yeah, I that, did not. That's a, another level of glasses. I, I remember. So. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And I would say the glasses braces combo when you got hit in the face was pretty oh, much as bad as it got. Yeah, I, I thankfully missed out on the braces, but I, I got it bad with glasses. Um, so. For the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with AIM. Last time we gave some frame recommendations, but today Sandy has chosen the segment. Sandy, drum roll. Oh, nice. Shame. Woo! For today's shame segment, which if you've listened in the past, has basically been an opportunity for our guests to get us to tell embarrassing stories, and then they kind of usually... Uh, kind of move aside and 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 don't really tell too much of embarrassing moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, though, Sandy has said, "Hey, uh, I'd like it maybe to be around convention." And it actually is convention season as we record this, so it's very uh, fitting. So, an embarrassing teacher moment, convention related. Justin, uh, what you got? All right, thanks for this prompt, Sandy. Really appreciate it. Uh, actually, mine's not super embarrassing. It it could have been, but it's also pretty amazing. So uh, 2013, I took a position of director of learning at the OACS and had the chance to be on the stage uh, at the convention that fall at the start of my position. And when I got on stage, my entire like 30 to 40 colleagues from Hamilton District Christian High School had created these huge cardboard Justin heads on sticks. (laughs) And they were all sitting in like row three in a huge row. And as soon as I got on stage, they're all like, and like throwing up like three feet high versions of my face. Uh, uh, And I just was like, it's hard to recover from that, but there's also a thousand (laughs) other people in the, in the room. And uh, it was not easy to, to try and recover. Uh, But it was, it was a pretty cool show of support as well. It was amazing. Actually, the, the way that my colleagues leaned into my new role. That's commitment. Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, Darren, embarrassing convention moment? Well, I think I'm going to go with uh, a time where I was in charge of registering everyone for the convention. And (laughs) there was a few people that were giving some of us with Dutch descent a bit of a hard time about our last names, etc. So I decided I was going to turn everyone's last name into a Dutch last name. And I thought I made them ridiculous enough. (laughs) that the person who was doing the registration would notice and not necessarily use those names. And, but then you get busy. So you register everybody out of spite and then you get busy and forget about it until the people start finding you at the convention. And we were from Terrace. So we had flown down to the convention and I had added Vander or Sma or something to everybody's name that was not already um, of Dutch descent, and those—that's what went on people's uh, name tags. So they walked around for the two-day convention with their Dutchified last names, um, you know, <laughs> Cooksma, Vanderhorlings, and those sort of things. And um, you know, it—it uh, it all worked out. We, so, we don't need to Dutchify my last name, just for I the know, record. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> or you keep teasing that story, Justin. But uh, so, Darren, here's. Mrs. Veach, who's taught you how to dot your I's, cross your T's, and you're using it for this. Mm-hmm. This is how you use it. Mm-hmm. You know, disappointing. <laughs> disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandy, what do you got for uh, a convention shame story? 
Yeah, I think these, you know, mine tops everyone's because I really did it a really great one. (laughs) Um, It was one of my, I must have been first, maybe second or third year of teaching because I'd been to teachers conventions before. And we used to have entertainment at the Saturday or whatever evening, Thursday evening, second evening of the convention. And we'd, you know, be having a play or some kind of music thing. And so we stayed in um, Delta and in this hotel and we were on the 15th floor and we we're going down and I saw this lady and she was wearing this dress that well really actually it looked like a sack and it was made out of some cloth that I've done cross stitch on you know that woven stuff and it had kind of a stamp at the bottom and a drawstring on the bottom and I looked at her and I thought it was a costume and I said oh and what are you supposed to be <laughs> And there was silence. And even all of my colleagues were silent. No one else asked what she was supposed to be. Of course, that didn't give me any clues. And true to form, I said, oh, she's not going to tell us. It must be a surprise. And then I looked at her name tag. And she was the wife of our of the keynote speaker. And the keynote, keynote speaker was the editor of the banner at that time. So I had to go down the 15 floors on the elevator and she said, yes, my husband hates this dress too. My daughter convinced me to buy it when we were on a trip. I know it's ugly. Oh, that's good. I felt terrible, but you know, I couldn't have scripted it. I couldn't have planned it. And um, it still is a story for some teachers with whom I've taught to tell again and again. I feel like has anyone bought you a similar dress just to to keep the story going or no? Well, no, that's a great idea because yeah. probably it, it might be a hit now. Yeah, <laughs> she was ahead of her time, like forty years. <laughs> I, she took the high road on that. I was pretty impressed with her response. Actually, she did a pretty amazing job in that moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I uh, that's good. I, you know what? I this one I probably isn't it wasn't as embarrassing for myself either but it did uh stay in covenant christian schools lore uh i i was probably in my first year of teaching we went down to convention and um it got people found out that i forgot my id and we went out uh for dinner and drinks after uh the first day and the staff was there already and and i was coming late and so they they made sure to tell our waiter that um I didn't have my ID and I I looked young at that point in my life. And so I I walked in, sat down and ordered some food. And then I was looking at the drink menu and uh, the waiter says, "Uh, sir, can I see your ID? And I said, you know, I said, I I don't have it. I said, I I don't have my ID. And he, without missing a beat, he said, well, we have a lovely selection of juices, sir. (laughs) And, uh, and the whole staff just, just killed themselves laughing and of course loved every minute of it. Um, the irony of it is, is that most of my drinks taste like juice. Uh, most of my drinks come with umbrellas, so it wouldn't have been very <laughs> far off. Listeners send us an embarrassing teacher convention story. We'd love to read it during an upcoming campfire conversation, but for now let's transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little about places in Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. Hello, I'm Leonard DeVisser, and I teach at Providence Reformed Collegiate. 
in Kamoka, Ontario. For the past two years, I've invited Edudeo to facilitate a workshop on poverty for my grade 11 English class as we study the novel Cry the Beloved Country. As the characters in the novel wrestle with how to restore brokenness between individuals, between communities, between people and the land, and ultimately people and their God, our class wrestles with the question, what does reconciliation look like in our community? The presentation by Edudeo beautifully frames our unit, helping us understand the novel, but more importantly also, ourselves. This workshop has been instrumental in inviting my students to see their role in the kingdom story and to respond faithfully. If you're interested in inviting Edudeo into your classroom to speak about poverty or a variety of other topics, contact Lori Koning by emailing schools at edudeo.com. As we heard off the top, Sandy teaches at Duncan Christian School in Duncan, British Columbia, Canada. Justin, what knowledge are you going to impart on us regarding Duncan? All right, Duncan, here we come. So Sandy, feel free to jump in too if there's specific things, because uh, obviously you're the expert and the host. So, Well, first, I we, we often do a land acknowledgement, which I think is really important and beautiful. Um, and this time, I'd like the land acknowledgement actually to come directly from the Cowichan tribe description, which they have on their, their own website. So this is written by the Cowichan tribe. Our traditional territory is the geographic area occupied by our ancestors for community, social, economic, and spiritual purposes. We have never given up title on this land, nor have we ever been compensated for it. Our ancestors traveled widely throughout the coast Salish area for fishing, hunting, visiting family, etc. Cowichans annually fish the Fraser River as far away as Yale, and in fact, Lulu Island, now the site of Vancouver International Airport, was our traditional summer base camp. We traveled all over the southern half of Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, and as far south as Sumas and Nooksik in Washington State. Hulkaminum, place names, densely blanket our traditional territory. Each name was chosen to reflect the significance of the site and today provide the key to the rich history and extensive knowledge of the land and resources owned by the Hulkaminum people. So that acknowledgement of the land comes directly from the Cowichan tribe. I'm going to focus really on one thing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Sandy, as a resident, but Duncan is known as the City of Totems. And there's a couple ways that they describe that. Um, first of all, it has the, one of the world's largest outdoor collections of publicly displayed totem poles. So that's the reason why it's known as the City of Totems. The peoples of the Northwest Coast had house posts or totem poles whose design told the family story. And this was a way to pass down information to future generations. The designs represent family crests or traditional symbols in coast First Nation cultures. The project, the Totem Pole Project, was initiated by 1985 from the mayor at the time, a guy named Douglas Barker, and it was meant to celebrate the close ties between the city and the Cowitzen people. And the City of Duncan website refers to this as two families in one house to talk about the actual identity of the city and the place. As of 2018, there were 44 poles in the history of the project. So, Sandy... From your perspective, tell us about living in the city of poles. Uh, sorry, the city of totems. City of totems, or yeah. Well, the one thing about that that's so great is that it's all walkable. So Duncan is great for being able to walk and read all the little plaques about the totems. Plus, there's a lot in Duncan to see. 
um, just Duncan City is actually very, very small. And it's kind of almost surrounded by what's called North Couchin. So some people get confused about what's Duncan and what's North Couchin. Mm. But yeah, it's um, wonderful to be able to be part of that big heritage that we have here and be able to read and know more about the Couch and First Peoples. Yeah, awesome. Maybe one other just little side note. It's uh, Duncan's also on the Trans-Canada Highway. So if we're thinking about, you know, every square centimeter across Canada, there's a, a pretty cool long national highway that links us. And Duncan is one of the last one of the last stops on the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sandy, uh, how did you end up in Duncan? Yeah, that wasn't actually by choice because I was born and raised on Vancouver Island. And when I went to university at SFU, I for sure thought I would stay on the mainland. But in April of 1982, um, DCS needed a teacher and I needed money. So I was available to come back to the island. And I thought I'd only stay for the three months, April, May and June. And here I am now, 40 years later. Sandy, we have a we have a rule on here that if someone uses acronyms that maybe is aren't universal, we have to take a shot at it. So SFU, a school for the unbelievable, would that be no SFU? Justin, Darren, Justin. Well, I know this one because my dad graduated with a master's degree from SFU, so I'm I'm going to give it out here. Simon Fraser University. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. But I what what was your uh, guess, Jeremy? School for the unbelievable, I think. What do you no, think, Sandy? Is it is it a is it a school for the unbelievable? No, such friendly umbrellas because, of course, <laughs> it rains a lot there. Totally well friendly umbrellas. Dear. I should have thought of that. Maybe, maybe, Sandy, could you tell us about uh, Duncan Christian? So that's actually located in North Couchin, although it's called Duncan Christian, not North Couchin Christian. Um, It was started by the Christian Reform members, as lots of um, Christian schools were. And it moved from the church, Christian Reform Church property, to where it's now in 1980. And then in my lifetime here, it changed address from Chesterfield Street to Beach Avenue uh, without actually moving. In 1990, a high school was added, and they had a new access and then a change of address. And right now we have about... 240 students in pre-K to grade seven and about 180 students in our high school. So when I first started at DCS, most of the students were CRC. And maybe some of your listeners might know about the Sunday observances in the CRC. So on Mondays, when the Baptists or Pentecostals said they'd gone out for lunch after church the day before, there'd be a collective gasp from the CRC kids. Mm We just did not buy anything on Sunday. And now we've come to be totally interdenominational, representing every church in the Valley from Seventh-day Adventist to Roman Catholic. That sounds wonderful, Sandy. Uh, What's your favorite place in the school? Well, right now, my favorite place is my classroom. Um, My room used to be across from the office, which was then my favorite place. I kind of like the places I'm in, I guess. I liked that place because it was right where I could be in the thick in the thick of everything happening in the school. I would be in the know. And then when I was asked to teach grade six, my favorite grade, I was reluctant to move to the portables, which meant being outside of the action of the school. And it took me about a day to love this spot. Um, from my desk, I can see a, v- a field and beyond that Mount Zuhalem. And that's one of my pl- favorite places to hike. I've had new students come to my class and they look outside and ask, 
can we go up that mountain? Because they know I hike. And almost every year I've taken groups up Mount Suhalem to where there used to be a cross overlooking the Couch and Valley. Mm. I used to be able to take the time to run an outward bound group with grade sixes where we did walks around town and hikes every month. And we always included a hike up to the cross on Mount Suhalem. Just one quick follow-up, Sandy. The, uh, the the dream class, grade six, is the best class. Tell us, tell us maybe why you love that age group so much. Well, for one thing, physically, they're able to do everything I can do, now even more. They can hike, they can bike, they can swim, they can zip up their own coats and mostly tie their own shoes. <laughs> so that makes it easy physically to teach grade six. And they're still at that age where they're wide-eyed with wonder. They still want to learn. They mostly still want to be at school and they have a lot of respect for me. Grade six is my kind of thing. I like jokes and riddles and games and they still like them too. That's great, Sandy. In every episode, we want to focus on sort of one area um, of education that really gets you inspired and we, we'd we love to hear a little bit more about what you're passionate about. Well, I have become passionate about DCS and our partnership in education with the First Nations of the Cowichan Valley. That sounds like an exciting place to be. Sandy, how, how did the school begin this journey? So our family went to live in China for two years in 2008. And at that time, for some reason, there happened to be a mass exodus of families from DCS. And I'm not trying to say it was because we left, but it was kind of a correlation Fortunately, at the time, our beloved Jeremy Tinsley, the vice principal, had the vision to start a preschool. He was living in our home while we were in China, and our neighborhood had several families with very young children, and his wife Jen had befriended them and invited them to join the preschool. And as well, Jeremy and our First Nations liaison, Lynn Williams, they were very intentional about inviting many First Nation families to attend DCS. And now we've grown to the 400 plus student body with a little over 25% of them from Cowichan tribes. So as we've talked about already, I graduated from Duncan Christian School. Um, When I went to the school, it was full of a lot of Dutch names and blonde kids. Uh, That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Tell me about that and that transition. Yeah, so returning from China, We came back to a totally changed demographic, much more representative of the Cowichan Valley. These students were from totally different um, families than what we had been accustomed to, not academically driven high achievers that we had taught in China either. And they were um, surprising to me. At first I struggled with their poor attendance and sometimes they came to school, sometimes not. Um, usually not having their library books or homework with them. Lots of them needed to be fed breakfast and lunch and quite often not too interested in attending classes. Um, I had one particular student who spent a lot of time under the desk and his mom seemed to think it was my fault that he wasn't achieving. She came in often to the class during class time to berate me for sending a note home asking to look for an assignment or a book or telling her that his work wasn't finished. And asking her to send back some of his work that hadn't been done particularly well. So I remember being quite frustrated and I was sitting in Jeremy's office and he so youthfully asking, what would you like to have happen? And without thinking me true impulsive style said, I want her dead. 
<laughs> and uh, despite the fact that Jeremy had lived in our house for two years, he didn't really know me that well. I remember his eyes were wide <laughs> and he calmly assured me that he couldn't arrange that. Perhaps we could look at plan B. Sandy, you're, you're highlighting, um, yeah, some pretty significant different values and assumptions based on our own heritage, our own identities. Um, mm-hmm. how, how can you talk about how trust started developing or some, some, what, what kind of ways did that, that sense of uh, diversity start really becoming trusted or, or part of the, the new fabric of the school? Yeah, and I think it worked both ways. We needed to learn how to trust the new um, demographic and also to trust our administration. And they, the new students that came to school, needed to learn how to trust us. Mm-hmm. And it sort of worked its way through and that was definitely god at work um i noticed you know kids coming and wanting to stay they came early they left late they were happy to have breakfast they got to be sharing their family stories with us so many things seemed to build community together with one another and all of a sudden we found ourselves totally enmeshed in each other's lives and it turned out to be a really um beautiful thing It was quite different from what I'd done in the past. And many of our students came from very, very sad homes. And some of them didn't even have meals or bedding or even beds. Mm -hmm. Some of them didn't have laundry facilities. And sometimes they didn't even know who would be next in their homes from one night to the next. And our school ended up being a safe space where they could depend on being having consistent teachers, fair expectations, timelines, and structure, even though that was difficult for some of them, they really appreciated it. And that was a start. And then it became very clear that they could also expect to be shown love in action through feeding meals, staff members going to their homes to bring food, clothing, bedding, furniture, um, to being part of their challenges, and even um, joining with them in their pain. I know now, and sorry, it's tearing me up because we have gone to several funerals and so honored to be part of that, but I'll talk about that later. Um, I know that we can so clearly see how Christ was at work in me and in the other teachers, and we needed to enter into a relationship with people so um, unfamiliar and different from the people with whom we usually rub shoulders. And through our changed demographic at DCS, God softened my heart and he made me recognize my own need for redemption and change. Truly, God worked out that change in me. I could always pay lip service to the fact that each of us, my colleagues, my students, even their parents, were image bearers of God, and he has a plan for them. But to be honest, I never really had any relationship with their first peoples in the Cowichan Valley. Uh, thanks for that, Sandy. Um, there might be some some weepiness over on this side of the screen as well. Um, I still consider um, the school um, and the community, you know, a piece of me is is left there. So just to hear you share that vulnerability, I just, I thank you um, for that. And I really hear you talking about how God um, worked in your life. And maybe if I could flip it the other way, um, how, how are you partnering with God? You've had this revelation. You've done this hard work. You've learned to trust. You've received trust from others. 
how do you go from there? How do you, how are you partnering with God as you move forward on your your walk as an educator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so certainly changed my view of his purpose for me and made it far more intentional in how I live my life here in Duncan and in my community and at my school. Um, he's really invited me to partner with him in his work. I'm so and forever grateful to him for his transformation in me. I didn't orchestrate it or plan it, which I like to do. I didn't <laughs> script it. And he put me in this place and he grew his spirit in me through DCS and through the work that we're doing at our school right now. I've um, come a long way. I see that and know that for myself for sure. Um, in the summer of 2017, I was given the opportunity to go to Haida Gwaii, and it was a 10-day trip led by Jonathan Boone from Vernon. Hello, Jonathan, if you're listening. <laughs> and Darren, you were there. You remember that yes, trip. And it was, times, yes. yeah, it was so fun. It was on that trip that I met Bonnie Burton now from RCS, who um, fast became one of my nine best friends. It's okay. <laughs> <So> awesome. <laughs> and on that trip, which was so fun and memorable, um, I really recognized what an amazing rich community of diversity and collective culture we have at DCS. I think I took it for granted until I witnessed some of the other participants with awe and learning that they felt on the Hadaguay trip. That inspired me to think that we could lead a similar trip in the Cowichan Valley. And then Darren, thank you for spurring mm-hmm. me on with the support and encouragement from Darren, Jeremy Tinsley, SCSBC, my husband Tom and I led nine teachers from BC and one from a public school on the pathway to reconciliation in 2019. We were able to stay in Honeymoon Bay. It's about 45 minutes from here. And we rented a 15 passenger passenger van, which Tom drove. And we took our participants on a whole bunch of different excursions. So is there, a, is there an excursion that really stands out or maybe talk to us about a few of them and some of the highlights? That'd be great. Sure. Well, we started with Kathy Camarilli, who um, did the village project with us. She came to the retreat center and that was very impactful. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have ever participated in the village project. It is something that will forever affect you. And it did really affect all of our participants. So with that background we did a lot of fun things too but we went to all kinds of places with the canoe trip to salmon bake we served at a community dinner that we serve in our church um 200 about 200 under-resourced guests come a lot of them are first nations we did some hikes and then the culminating magic moment was we picked (laughs) up a hitchhiker it was kind of interesting because we were leaving the honeymoon bay retreat center and Probably some of the participants still think we planted that guy on the street, <laughs> but it was a perfect lesson. He, we picked him up and he clearly had been drinking most of the night before and um, had a six pack with him. Got in the van. There were, I guess, 11 of us or so in the van and we picked him up. My husband is always picking up hitchhikers, so this isn't very unusual for us. But the others in the van probably were a bit puzzled, but there was a number of us. And he told us his story and what had happened to him the night before and where he was going. So we ended up driving him quite far out of Duncan to where he could reunite with his other family members. But all of the people in the van spoke truth and love to him. Mm -hmm. And when we dropped him off, he was very pleased. It was before COVID. So we got hugs and we were able to feel like we had a 
real part in his journey and in his life. Mm. No, that's great. Um, we're getting a, a great sense of um, how DCS has made a significant impact on the couch and people, and also how the couch and people have made an impact on what was, of course, officially or used to be called DCS, because I don't want to say it's an either or anymore. It's an us situation I hear you describing. Talk to me a little bit about maybe one or two significant experiences you or Tom has had um, as part of that journey that, that stay with you in a way that continues to help you do this good work. Thank you. Yeah, one of the things for sure is the fact that we've been, Tom particularly, has been invited to be a pallbearer at some of the funerals. And they have a different custom at their funerals. We're learning about that. They um, give money at the funeral. So people give money for people who participate in the funeral. So people who do the food, people who lead the speaking or the chanting or the drumming or the pallbearers. We didn't know that because that's not our tradition. So after one um, time, that the first time Tom was a pallbearer, he came home with a little crocheted bag of money and mostly coins, totaling about $63. We were kind of puzzled and we didn't really know why. Um, we did donate it back, but we didn't realize that that is a standard practice. So during, in 2020, in the spring when we were working remotely, another um, previous student from our school passed away and Tom was asked to be a pallbearer and a speaker at the funeral. The family came to our home in four vans loaded with people and we stood in our driveway and I couldn't believe how um, pleased or accepting and they were. I was so humbled and honored that they were fine with me to leading them in prayer and they had a full acceptance of the faith and of God who cares for us in our brokenness. And then later on that summer, when Tom's nephew passed away, one of the families held a collection for us and gave Tom $100 in a sympathy card. Sandy, I, I know there are schools in our region, and I'm sure across Canada, that have teachers that are looking for ways to invite their students into reconciliation. Um, but, but there's there's complicated histories, or there's or or, or or it feels difficult. Do you have any advice for those teachers? Um, anything that you could uh, encourage them to to make that first step, or to to start to to look down towards how to invite their students in that in that path? Right. Well, I think probably it starts with the administration, and I was, I, and I am still very thankful for the vision and the mission of our administration in and having a liaison to invite them actually to attend our school. And if they're already in the school, I would say just recognize um, your own personal need for redemption. And I think about that a lot when I think and look at people who make mistakes, who live in such a way that's quite different from how we live. And some of their behaviors are due to mental health issues or maybe even personal choices. I know that we are broken and imperfect people and Christ came from heaven to live and walk among us and love us right where we are. Mm -hmm. And I would say loving people right where they are and offering those practical things like meals and help and even being there for them. And it's amazing how quickly the relationships built because it's only been really now 11 years and we've been close to our families for a while now. 
Sandy, you, you made reference to a position that I think might be helpful for us to hear more about. You talked about a liaison who invites, uh, is it Cowichan students to come to the school? Is that a position that you're naming there? Tell us what do you mean by the word liaison? Yeah, so that her job, Lynn Williams, um, she is partnering with First Nations people. She also lives on tribes land in the reserve, and she's able to develop a relationship with some of the families from our that are now in our school so she's the one who contacts people and mm. knows their needs and knows the some of the inside scoop and that's been very helpful for us we also have a grad coach which happens to be her son ivan schultz and he um is very instrumental at keeping kids in school retaining them mm. so sometimes you know, he'll go after them. He'll just go to their homes and find them, which is great. I don't know how much they appreciate it, but he has a method that works. <laughs> and he's also been really helpful in helping us know some of the things that we would help help us to be better teachers mm -hmm. for the kids. I know in 2019, we had 36 grade 12 graduates. And of those, nine of them were from Couchin tribes. And the public school had you know, three or 400 graduates, and they also had nine mm -hmm. First Nations graduates. Are either of those two people on staff at DCS? Yes. They are. Okay. And maybe this is in line with what Jeremy was asking. You gave us great encouragement as uh, to see our common humanity and need for Christ and, and need for grace um, when Jeremy asked for advice. And I really appreciate that, Sandy. Maybe also just a, a practical question. So we just had the first uh, celebration of National Truth and Reconciliation Day. And so I fielded some questions from school saying, do you have suggestions about what we should do to, to acknowledge and, and, you know, memorialize and you know, what should what should a school do in that week? And I'm just curious, are there things that happened at Duncan Christian School that you would mentioned to us and to listeners, just to give us a flavor of what it looked like that week. Um, what did it look like at Duncan to acknowledge and, and yeah, just to invite students into what that week is about? Right. Well, we um, received some artwork, the name Michelle Stone, who had done feathers, and this time she did a hand, so we all colored the hand. It was really I wish I could show your listeners the bulletin board that was created from that. So they colored a hand that had the artwork had been done by Michelle Stone. She's available online in colors of red, orange, and yellow and cut them out. And they put the hands as a rising sun and then the words underneath about um, things that we can be and characteristics, compassion, caring underneath is for like a mountain shape. Um, we had a chapel and our music teacher wrote a song that outlines or described some of the things and the brokenness, but then again, the healing and the redemption mm. that is provided through Christ. And of course, we encouraged as many people as possible to march in the reconciliation walk on Thursday. So, Sandy, I got to ask you, is that, do you have pictures of that bulletin board? Could we put those in our show notes? Yeah, I can. After the show? Yeah, I can text them to you, Darren. Would that help? Texting is okay? Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, we can make that happen. That'd be great. Um, we're getting close to the end of this segment, 
uh, Sandy, and I'm just wondering if there is anything else you you want to talk about, or is there one more story, um, any any way that you want to wrap up our time together? I guess really being the kind of person I am, I recognize my need for um, being known and knowing. You know, when I had my classroom across from the office, I liked knowing everything, mm-hmm. and I liked being known, and I also earlier talked about walking everywhere and I do I walk everywhere almost and I when I walk through my neighborhood and into town I walk a long part of the reserve and I pass a lot of the homes of our families and I feel so blessed to know the kids that are out there jumping on the trampoline or hanging around at 7-eleven but better yet when they call out to greet me I'm so honored to be known by them so I'm really thankful for this place where we live and where we can be instruments of God's healing and God's purposes for all of us, not just at DCS, but right in our community. Sandy, thank you so much for sharing uh, that antidote and uh, so much of your journey. Uh, We're going to take a little break here and then segue to our celebration of learning. To be inducted into the esteemed Every Square Centimeter Celebration of Learners Gallery, which you can check out on the Christian Schools website, Christian Schools Canada website, you need to join us on our podcast, share a bit of your journey, and have at least one other person write some nice things about you. Today, that person is Michelle Nederloff, Assistant Principal at DCS. So here's a letter from Michelle Sandy. When describing Sandy, the image of someone with two hands on one's back supporting their stance comes to mind. She is the epitome of someone who would want to, you would want to have on your team. Being part of the community for over 40 years, she has spoken into many, many lives. She would argue that her reach has not been far, but she has and continues to make a difference to so many. With input from other colleagues, these words came out. Fun. Inspiring. Supportive brave, honest, adventurous, witty. And from a collection of comments from her colleagues, past and present, this is what we see Sandy to be. Sandy is tireless and dedicated. When I think of Sandy, I think of a hub in constant motion, spinning effortlessly, keeping us connected as a community. Sandy is thanked for doing something risky for God's kingdom and his children. As she once said, one day she will stand before the Lord and she will be able to say, yes, she took risks for his kingdom and so that others might know his love for them. Her trust for God in our school's journey is inspiring. Sandy is one of the most servant-hearted people I know. She has a gift for seeing those who are in need in both big and small ways and reaching out. No one ever has to be afraid to ask her for help. If she is capable of helping, she is always willing. There's no hesitation. It's just who she is. Sandy's heart for the students, staff, and parents of DCS is so evident in all she says and does, she brings a joy to learning that is contagious. And if I can pipe in as a colleague for 30 years and one of her seven best friends, I would pick... (laughs) So we know it's nine best friends now. So Michelle's one of Sandy's nine best friends. I would pick these three emojis to best describe her. So Michelle's obviously been listening to the podcast too. So I love that. First emoji, dancing person emoji, free-spirited, fun-loving, a great person to have a dance party with. The only better emoji would be a dancing person on a roller coaster. That's that's emoji one. Emoji two, the open hands emoji, such a giver, open heart, and open home. 
And the last one, monkey with a hand over its mouth emoji. Quick to speak, which she sees as a, as a fault. However, I don't know anyone who is quicker to apologize, quicker to affirm, quicker to lift up, quicker to problem solve, quicker to get on board, and quicker to love. Thank you, Sandy, from Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. That was awesome. I appreciate that. I hope you typed that out, Darren, because I really would like a copy of it. Yeah, we can make that happen. And coming from Michelle saying she'd like me on her team, that says a lot because she's really athletic and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sandy, if, if anyone wants to connect with you, how could they do that? Yeah, they can reach me by email, svinstra at duncanchristian.com. Awesome. Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast, so email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. Tweet, us a, tweet at us or send us a message on Instagram. Give us some opening square ideas, maybe a fun prompt or question, a segment idea. As we've said earlier, we want your voice to lead the Campfire Conversation episode. So, And just a heads up, let me tell you, there's a doozy follow-up email from our friend Fiona in Australia okay. providing us yes. with a bit more information on echidnas. So, you, you know, <laughs> follow that. We'd love more emails like that. Um, before Darren sends us off with a blessing, I want to thank you, Sandy, for hosting our gang mm -hmm. today. Uh, and ask if anyone knows what a group of animals form a gang. Uh, Darren, what do you got? Well, I know that the elk population is going crazy in the Cowichan Valley right now, so I'm going with the Roosevelt elk. All right. Justin, what do you got? The Roosevelt elk. Mm -hmm. oh, I've been struggling with gang. Um, I I, did I use crab before? I just, <laughs> I, I think, I feel like I said that already, but I'm going crab. Oh, I like a gang, a, cra a, a gang of crabs. I yeah. like that. Uh, Sandy, what do you think? I was thinking you should have used something in regards to frogs or toads <laughs> because that has a lot to do with the Couch of Valley. So I'm just going to go with frogs because sometimes there's a gang of frogs right across yeah. the path. Yeah. Love it. Um, Darren, this is going to be exciting. Oh, the boy. Ro the Roosevelt elk. Yes. Also known commonly as the Olympic elk. And the Roosevelt wapiti is the largest of the four surviving subspecies of elk in North America by body mass. But don't be fooled by antler size. There are other bigger elk. So, you know, wow. but in terms of like this is in your, so you're right. It, this is a, a growing species in the Cowichan Valley. My question, my random question for you is, have you guys ever been part of a gang? Sandy, you're nodding your head. Uh, what do you got? Oh, I'm still in a gang. Um, it's a sewing sisters gang. <laughs> and we nice. are armed with scissors, pins, and more importantly, rotary cutters. <laughs> love it. Can can Darren join the Sewing Sisters? Well, nowadays, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in, Darren. You're in. Excellent, because I'm not cool enough to be part of a gang, but um, I am right now just part of a fellowship. So Ooh, I've just joined oh. the Van Lunen Fellowship. So now okay. I'm now I'm I'm feeling connected. But now I can sew and be part of the fellowship. I can be a sister. And a fellow at the same time. I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> that's, that's sweet. A, a fellow it sounds impressive, I must say. Uh, Justin, what do you got? Well, I was in a band for a little while. The band's still going on, and we were called Slim Pickens. And oh, it was like a that. bluegrass band. Mm -hmm. And uh, they found a much better bass player than I am when I had to walk away. So I'm proud that they were less slim when, uh, <laughs> when, I, when I got out. 
Uh, I've been part of two groups that I can recall. One was the Puppet Posse. I, don't, I think we did some uh, at Covenant Christian. We did some plays for our students at uh, chapel times, and we made some shirts called the Puppet Posses. But my favorite group was uh, in high school. We we learned through biology this word sphincter, and we started to call people sphincters. You're being a sphincter. Mm-hmm. Don't be such a sphincter. Mm-hmm. But after a while, we started to actually, it endeared itself to us. So we, so we were like, we're going to stop calling other people. Like, we're, why don't we be sphincters? And so we kind of looked up, like, what, how many sphincters are there? And there was four of us friends that were going to, uh, right now, Carolyn is out there rolling her eyes because uh, she, would, she would know this. <laughs> I'm going to ask her. Yeah. And, and so there were four that we found. So I ended up being a pyloric sphincter. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one of my friends by... Ish, you know, virtue of uh, last pickings was the uh, anal sphincter. So, yes. uh, but uh, yes, we were the sphincters. We had cards. Uh, we thought we were pretty cool. <laughs> Darren, Darren, if there's ever a chance to redeem <laughs> a segment, uh, please follow mine up with a blessing. I did not see that one coming, but I definitely am happy to uh, share this blessing that I've modified from Good Shepherd, New York. Um, a church that I've appreciated um, through this pandemic season. So this blessing is just modified from a blessing that they've shared recently. Be filled by the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Go forth into this world where hunger and thirst persist. Bring the healing, life-sustaining, nourishing word of God and the peace and love of Jesus Christ. Offer the transforming witness of the Holy Spirit to all people you meet. Go in peace, and may God's peace always be with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Stay encouraged, educators. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.